Hello, this is Catherine, and I know I need to stop talking. Hello, my lovelies, it's been so long, such a long, long, long time. You're probably all thinking, thank goodness for the peace and quiet. Well, I'm back doing all of that now, but seriously, it's been it's been a very, very long time, much longer than I intended since I last, I don't even know when I did last record a po- podcast. And I always feel terribly bad when I don't do these podcasts, even though, as, as I say, you're probably all sitting there thinking, thank goodness for the peace and quiet, but genuinely, I have, I've missed it, and I've missed all of you a huge amount, and I hope you're all okay. As ever, this always feels a little bit like shouting into a void, but genuinely, I genuinely do hope that everybody's doing okay and um, is all right and, and looking after themselves. And I have missed you all, but I've, I have needed a little bit of time. I have needed a little bit of time. Because death is shit, isn't it? Death is just shit. More on death being shit very shortly. Anyway, before we get to death being shit, breaking news, breaking news. I know you'd be very excited by this. I'm so excited by this. This is tragic. I am so excited to tell you all that just prior to coming and recording this podcast, I've beaten my Subway Surfer high score record and I've achieved a score of 380,000 and this I know is why you come to this podcast for for content like this and what has my life become and if in fact if anybody says to me what have you achieved over the bank holiday weekend that that is that is it I've achieved a new very proud 380,000 I I yeah I feel like there should be there should be medals honestly it's fucking tragic isn't it so I've achieved that I've also achieved something that I didn't know was was possible um, but I guess if I've learned anything about myself during the, the many years I've been alive on this planet, it's that anything is possible. I decided we would have a barbecue today. I was like, okay, we're gonna gonna have a barbecue. Jamie's girlfriend's around, so we're gonna gonna do a barbecue. And Mr. I know need to stop talking, said to me, Would you like any help? And I said no, because I know that stereotypes would suggest that the barbecue is the man's job and the man makes fire, but I fucking love making fire, so I wasn't letting him have any of any of the good enjoyment there. So I was out there making fire and I was going backwards and forwards from the barbecue, getting the, the things to, to bring out and put on top of it. And I stepped down on, you just sound as if you're on bare feet and you're standing on the patio and you step down on a stone and you're like, ah, it really hurts. So I went to kind of step down more firmly on it, which probably sounds obscure and is quite obscure <laughs> given what was about to happen. But my logic is that actually if you do that, then it makes it a lot easier to, to then kick the stone away. Unfortunately for me, this was not gravel as I had thought that I was stepping on but it was a piece of burning charcoal so I now have the unique I don't know maybe other stupid people have done this soon maybe slightly unique um achievement of having stamped burning charcoal into the sole of my foot don't recommend hurts like a motherfucker it really 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 does so I've sat for most of this afternoon with one foot in a bucket of water a bit like is that what you're meant to do on sleepovers if you want someone to wet themselves? Do you put their foot in a bucket of water or is it their hand? Or, or do you even do that ever? As you can tell, I didn't go to the kind of sleepovers where such pranks and japes were, were played. But yeah, so I've got a very, very, very painful foot. I've also got a random hole in my hand. That sounds a bit melodramatic. If my sister Helen was listening to this, she'd be like, don't exaggerate. That's fair, Helen. That is an exaggeration. I've got a little hole in my hand. I don't even know how. I was randomly walking to and from the barbecue again. Looked down and my hand was covered in blood. It was one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, I must be like missing a finger. No, the smallest, tiniest hole. I don't even know how I'd done it. And it had all swelled up quite dramatically as well. So possibly like some kind of insect bite. Anyway, I was on this. I had my trusty tiger balm. I don't know what's in tiger balm, possibly real tigers, but it's very fucking effective. I don't know if we should be scared of how effective tiger balm is. If you've never tried tiger balm, honest God, get a pot of it in your house. It's a game changer. Anybody does anything to themselves, you know, bumps themselves, burns themselves, cuts themselves tiger balm, get the tiger balm, bring the tiger balm. Just don't get complacent with tiger balm because a little bit like original source mint and tea tree shower gel, 
a little goes a very long fucking way and oh my goodness it takes no fucking prisoners i have a memorable memory or many years ago i think i wrote about it on the blog at the time of putting some tiger balm on i think it's like an insect bite and then going and wiping my eyes and oh dear god it was like niagara falls flowing from my tear ducts yeah it, it takes no prisoners but it's very very effective so yeah, so I'm a, I'm a bit bashed up, basically, as I sit here, but I've got a new fucking high score in Subway Surfers, so, you know, that's what Her Majesty would have really wanted for her Jubilee weekend, is me getting a new score, high score in, in Subway Surfers. Living the dream, I tell you, when you <laughs> if you're yet to hit 40, this is what it's all about. It's fucking brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. But yes, for anybody who hasn't necessarily seen it on, on the blog, because I don't expect you to all kept up, but keep up with the minutiae of my day-to-day life, my nana died, and death is shit. Now, to be fair... In some ways, I was chatting to my dad about this, and now this is Nana, who's my dad's mum, and we were saying, you know, obviously death is very shit, but dementia's even fucking shitter, and that was where we were with Nana, was, you know, she was 88 when she died, she lived the most amazing life, like, they talk about a life well lived, she lived her fucking life so fucking hard, she really did, and I know, and perhaps it's easy for me to say, because I'm not the one who's dead, but I am 99.9% confident that Nana would not have wanted to carry on living in the state that that dementia had got her into because she watched her own mum go through it and for anybody who is going through or has got loved ones going through dementia alzheimer's it is the cruelest fucking thing ever because it takes the person you knew it takes that person away it's like they're gone completely and every now and then you see the tiny tiny glimpses momentarily of that person and and then it's gone again and it's just it's just awful. It is just absolutely awful. I can remember quite vividly when Nana had come down to stay here, and I'm going to guess it must have been about maybe seven years ago, and it was just before we started to realise that, wow, dementia is, is really starting to, to take a hold. And she'd come down, she'd come to stay with myself and the kids, she's got the train to come and st- stay with us, and we had a lovely time, and she, you know, it'd been brilliant to have her here and see the house and everything. And then she went back home, she got the train back home, her friend met her at the other end. And then the next night, I had a missed call from her. I didn't get to the phone in time, and so I did one for someone and saw it was her number. And before I could go to dial the number back, the phone rang again. And it was Nana, and she was in tears. And I'd never heard or seen her cry. I don't think I've told anybody this story. I'd never heard or, or, or had seen her cry. And she was in tears, and she said, Catherine, I'm so frightened, I'm so frightened. And I said, Nana, what's, what's up, what's up? And basically, she had had a couple of her friends, I, I think for all the right reasons, talk to her and say, listen, we're a little bit worried, you know, maybe you should see the doctor, maybe you're starting to show some signs that suggest it might be good to get checked out as to whether dementia's a, a thing. And she was so frightened, and that was one of the more harrowing phone calls of, of my life, because I think, again, long conversations with my dad about this, I, th- I think possibly that worst point for the, for the person with dementia the worst point is actually not when you've you know gone into the latter stages of the disease when genuinely you are not really aware that, that you have it at all it it must be those those early kind of moments when something's not right and then that that horrible awful I mean I can't I can't imagine it I can't imagine but I, I just know I've, I've never heard Nana cry and I've never heard her sound as scared so, so that's why I come back to you know death is utterly fucking shit and I'm and I'm gutted and and she was just the best nana ever admittedly may have some some slight bias there but I also wouldn't have wanted her carrying on living you know the, the kind of it does become a bit of a shadow of a life really and as I say that person you loved and you knew is is just not there 
So yeah, it's kind of that's all been going on really in the background. So I just needed a bit of like space to work through stuff, and, and apart from anything else, logistics because like she lives many many hours away from us, which means it's not like just a case of pop down the road to the crematorium for the for the funeral. It's like some massive great big road trip extravaganza, which God love my kids. So that they were very keen to come to the funeral. I think Nana would have liked them to be at the funeral. They've always come to funerals, and I know kids at funeral is a bit of a emotive topic understandably so but ours have always come on the proviso clearly that they were well behaved and if they weren't well behaved um we would have chucked them out of church there and then but i think you know we're, we're a bit funny in this country with our attitudes towards death we are still a bit funny and i think it's really important for kids to kind of go that you know death is part of life is part of death it's all part of the beautiful circle of life and no i won't be breaking into an elton john's hot song here don't panic but i do think it's quite important so they were they were keen to come and they were they were good as gold i mean six hours each way in a car with Beth as your front seat passenger. Oh, that's a lot of car games. That is a lot of car games. But but they were fantastic. And we tried to make, you know, a little trip out of it. You know, it is it is a long journey and it was a chance for them to go and see sort of where um, my dad grew up and, you know, sort of where Nana grew up and was at, was at school and everything. So they were, they were, you know, quite taken by that. I mean, Beth could not get her head around the fact we were up north, even slightly. I mean, she is hilarious. She was like, you can't speak. And I was like, what do you mean I can't speak? She's like, listen, everybody else talks properly and you sound weird. I don't know why it was just me. She never seemed to think that her accent was a problem. And I was like, I can assure you it's fine. But my, my favourite bit was we booked this lovely hotel, which had like such a good invention. Why don't more hotels do this? Like a proper family room, i.e. not everybody in the same room because that's hell. But you like opened the door to the, to the room and then there was like a corridor with two bedrooms off it and a bathroom. So the kids had their own space. We had our space. It was brilliant. We went into the other, and I think Beth was very disappointed by the North of England in general because I think in her head she had thought it was going to be like the North Pole. She kept going, I can't wait till we get to the North. And I was like, I think you will be disappointed. It looks exactly the same as the South, only there's a bit more space and, and we built slightly less hysterically on it. But it's not going to be 12 inches in snow if that was what you were hoping for. From the look on her face, that was definitely what she was hoping for. Anyway, we go into this hotel and, and as always, kids running around looking, you know, sort of excited at the room and everything. And Beth stops up short in the doorway of the bathroom. She goes, oh, no, she goes, oh, no. So what's the matter? She went, well, she went, look at this. She went, it's a northern bath. I mean, literally, it was a bath. It was, it was, it was just a normal bath. She says, normal bath. She was northern bath. And later on, I said, go and wash your hair. She said, you'll have to help me. I don't know how to work these northern baths. Fucking hell. It's just a bath. Just a bath. But yeah, they were they were amazing. They were amazing. And actually, you know, funerals, I, I do believe there's there's such a thing as a good death, and I think there's such a thing as a good funeral. And this was genuinely, um, you know, my, my dad and his brother did amazingly with sort of their tributes to her. And it was it was a it was a really uplifting day. Goodness me, if I can get to 88, have nearly a hundred people rock up for my funeral, I will have done something very right. So I kind of kind of just really wanted to, to share Nana with you guys a little bit on, on the podcast. And I know I, I sort of wrote a blog post about this um just after sort of the funeral, but something a bit more personal isn't there about about chatting about it and I just as I say you, you don't want dementia to win you don't want to you don't want your memories of that person to be those last few awful years you want to remember them as they were and she was just she was just the best she was fucking hilarious we um and <laughs> this is like slightly black humor here so so please bear with but way before way before obviously any of the dementia stuff happened and started 
we when when the kids were born obviously they've, they've got a nana already mr i know i need to stop talking to mum is nana to them so we we referred to nana as in my nana who's died as mad nana she was always known as mad nana she absolutely fucking loved it she used to sign her birthday cards to the mad nana obviously now benefit of hindsight mad nana was maybe an unfortunate but i think she would have fucking loved it i think she would have enjoyed the the irony to that as well and yeah, she was just the best. I mean, it was always a massive treat to see her because she lived so far away from us. So it always felt like, she always felt like it was so exciting. She was so fun to be around. Completely batshit in the best possible way. She snored like a train. One of my earliest memories was when we lived in my first house in Stevenage and it only had two bedrooms. So she and I were sharing this double bed and I can still remember, I must've only been about, I'm going to say three, waking up very early in the morning and just hearing this like, I don't know, it sounded like I had an express train in the bedroom with me and like she was renowned. You could hear her snoring through walls. That was that was her thing. Always with this lovely smell of extra strong mint. She'd been a smoker and then she gave it up when I was still very young. So she would always have with her her Nicorette patches, her, um, her Nicorette gum, her, her extra strong mints, always extra strong mints and white musk perfume. And even now, if, I've, if you like walk past someone, you know, it's like smells very evocative, isn't it? And always, always brings it, brings it back. She never shut the fuck up, ever. I, I don't know where I've got it from. I mean, not that we were similar at all. I mean, like, she never shut the fuck up, ever. Um, but she loved, she loved to sing and she loved to whistle. She would whistle. Like, she was a prolific whistler, but she absolutely loved to sing. And she loved all the old musicals. I can remember again, sort of in a really early childhood home, sitting and watching The Wizard of Oz, which back then I think was only ever on at Christmas. Or something I only ever remember watching The Wizard of Oz at Christmas. Like, I can remember sitting on the sofa in that, massive pre-Christmas excitement that you have and Nana arrived and she sat down on the sofa and we watched The Wizard of Oz and fucking hell those those moments those are the ones you want to bottle aren't they they were just oh it's just just amazing but she'd always be singing I can remember in that same house we were she and I were making mince pies at Christmas she was teaching me the family recipe which was fucking pointless because I've forgotten it completely sorry Nana I did try um but she would be singing along with the carols were on the radio and she she knew all the descants because she'd always been a singer she'd been one of the leading lights of the local amateur operatic society she knew all the descants, which I thought was great when she was teaching them to me in the kitchen, and much less great when we'd like go to midnight mass and everybody else, even though you know, oh come all ye faithful, has a well-known descant, everybody else conforms to type and we just sing the tune. No, not Nana. She was in there with all of her come all ye faithfuls right up to the rafters. She had an amazing voice and I was slightly dying inside. And yet I now look back at that and go, that's fucking inspired because I am now the person who embarrasses their kids by singing all the descants at every every single opportunity. Remember, they up to stay with her. That was always so exciting because we'd go up on a Friday night. So my dad would come back from work and have dinner and then we'd travel really late in the car and often obviously go to sleep. And then we'd like wake up and we'd get there. It'd be about 11 o'clock. And our house, she was really house proud. Our house was always so cosy. It was a, a little bungalow. And Helen and I would have this massive treat of one of us would, so my mum and dad would sleep in, in Nana's room. One of us would sleep on a bed on the floor and then, and then the other one, we'd take it in turns, we used to argue over it, sleeping on on a bed on the floor next to next to Nana's bed in the spare room. And oh God, just remember going in, it was so cosy and warm. The gas fire, which probably, in fact, in later years, I think was condemned the gas fire because it's one of those things that should not have been allowed, but it was always oh, toasty and warm and we'd go in in our dressing gowns. Um, it was always a little bit exciting going to bed in Nana's house because the, the, the put up beds that she had had a tendency to, to like, 
closed in the middle like crocodile jaws. So I remember more than once both Helen and I having to shout for help as the bed kind of like just enclosed us in the middle. We are like trapped in the bed, help and Nana coming in, killing herself, laughing, trying to, <laughs> trying to get us out again. She loved playing the organ. I don't actually remember how or where she got her organ playing skills from but she loved playing the organ and she had this big organ in her in her living room and Helen and I used to love going and sitting on it and and in fact I remember once going up to stay with her for the summer and Nana was playing something enthusiastically on on the organ and I was leaping around dancing very badly because I really really can't fucking dance and I went over on my ankle and twisted my ankle but she was singing and playing the organ so loudly she had no idea to Helen like going up to her and like shaking and going Nana Catherine's really hurt herself and yeah I'd managed to, to sprain sprain my ankle but she she loved music she loved the northern tradition of um of Kaylee dancing if you've ever done a Kaylee it's like a barn dance but better and we had loads of loads of Kayleys up at Nana's and she would like throw herself she'd usually terrorize some innocent young man and force him into into dancing with her and in fact at her it was her 70th she had a joint 70th party with her friend Mary in in a local hall and we had a Kaylee and it was brilliant but because there were so many people in there the floor started sweating I know grim huh a, a, clearly a northern floor sweating northern floor it started sweating and so it got to the point where it was so slippy by the end of the night people were falling over one poor lady ended up going and breaking her arm so Nana's 70th finished with the ambulance being called now there's rock and roll there is rock and roll she um she took no prisoners on certain things. She had no tolerance for badly behaving small children, which I think might be where I've got mine from. And and we always knew she was renowned for the Nana stare. And I only ever witnessed it once or twice, usually out on public transport with her when we'd be getting the bus somewhere. And if there was a you know, if there was a small child, kind of toddler age, probably usually slightly older than that, and they were misbehaving, she'd never say anything, she'd never ever embarrass the parents or anything, you know. I think she always recognised how hard bringing up bringing up kids is, but We'd sit there on the on the bus, and I and I could see her just fixing this kid with a stare. It wasn't an aggressive stare. It was just a I'm watching you. I can see what you're doing. I'm watching you. And the times I saw it, it never ever ever failed. The kid would just stop and would just behave. Honestly, she's like she's like the super nanny ahead of her ahead of her time. Absolutely ahead of her time. Yeah, she um yeah she definitely took no prisoners. She also took no. She was a very keen very keen gardener. And apologies to, to anybody who is who is overly fond of, of slugs. I'm definitely not. But if you're a, if you're a big slug aficionado, you might want to listen and listen away now. She was livid that the slugs were going and were eating all of her begonias. Absolutely furious about it. And so I phoned her up and we were chatting about it. She said, I'm going to sort these slugs out. I said, what are you going to do? She didn't like using slug pellets. She said, I don't know, I'm going to think of a plan. Anyway, when I spoke to her the next week, she said, it's all sorted. I sorted the slugs out. I said, what did you do? She said, I waited, she said, I waited until about seven o'clock. She said, well, I know they all like to come out when it gets a little bit dark and cooler. She said, I waited and I got a fork out of my kitchen drawer and I went round the garden and I stabbed all those slugs with my fork. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you sound slightly psychotic and also I never want to use cutlery in your house ever again, but I cannot help but admire that that commitment, that commitment to the cause. Yeah, she was, she was hilarious. The, there is also, you know, kind of a, a, a dialect from, from Nana's part, part, part of the North, which I really struggled with as a small child. One of her favourite phrases, and I won't try and do the accent because it would be an insult to everybody living, living in the North of England. One of her favourite phrases was just now. So if you asked for something, if you said, Nana, can we, um, can we go to the park? She'd say, just now. Now, in my southern brain, just now means, yeah, just now. We're going to go now, because just now. No, that's not what it means in the north of England. Just now basically means no. It's a really nice and polite way of saying no. Just now. Nana, can we do this? Just now. 
just now, much like tomorrow, never comes. So yeah, that was a that was a that was a hard lesson to hard lesson to learn. Yeah, not at all. She she I mean she got so many memorable moments. One of my favourite stories, I wasn't there at the time, but one of my favourite stories was when my cousins and my uncle and aunt had gone with her on the they'd gone through the I think they'd gone on the Channel Tunnel over to France. And Nana was sitting in the back of the car in between my my two cousins who at the time were both relatively young. And as part of going over to France, they'd picked up some, some duty-free alcohol. And in particular, they picked up some duty-free whiskey. And so they sat in the car and I think there was a delay getting into the Channel Tunnel. And for whatever reason, because she really wasn't a drinker at all, Nana decided to crack open this whiskey. Just going, oh, oh, I'll just have a sip. I'll just have a sip. Anyway, just a sip turned into a lot of sips. And basically they got back to the UK with Nana absolutely dead drunk, passed out in between. My cousins, who who still find that hilarious, and have and have never let never for let her forget that. But yeah, she she rarely drunk when, but when she did occasionally have like a glass of wine, like at my wedding. Oh my god, she became besotted with the then boyfriend, now husband of my best friend James. So so, so Chris, who who really didn't know me or my family that well at all, but we'd for various reasons we didn't have a traditional top table, so our top table had had our friends on. And I'd put Nana next to next to Chris because I, you know, she she would get on with anybody and, and Chris likewise. So I thought we'll have plenty of conversation. Well, two glasses of wine. I mean, she was practically saying to him, "Are you sure you want to go and have this gay relationship with Catherine's friend?" Because you and me, she kept coming over to me and going, "Oh, he's a lovely young man. Oh, he's a lovely young man." She she loved her. She loved a young man again. Then Helen's wedding, my sister's wedding, end of the night, everybody's dancing, and Nana just had no. She held no truck with any of this modern nonsense. So she grabbed, again, I, I think wine may have been taken. She grabbed this unsuspected, I've got pictures of her, this terrified 20-something lad, friends with friends with Helen's Helen's now husband. And right, right, we're going to waltz. And he sort of looked at her like, what? She went, do you not know how to waltz? And he, he said, no, I don't know how to waltz. And she's muttered something on the lines of, nobody teaches kids these days how to waltz. And so she t- she did waltz lessons with this poor, I've just got this vision of her just demanding that he waltzed her around the room. And yeah, she was the absolute, I mean, she was just the centre of every party. After, um, after the funeral that night when we got back, my dad sent me some video footage that one of his cousins had sent which is Nana with her brother and his wife in the in the kitchen at Christmas, um, drying up. They're doing the washing up, the washing up and drying up. And they've got some Christmas tunes on. And she's just in a full-scale dance routine. And she must have been in her late 70s by then. I mean, she was just, she was just, she was just immense. Um, and of course, my favourite, my favourite Nana story, which I did write about in the blog, and this is, oh, this was just brilliant. So... <laughs> We'd gone to see a stately home. I can't remember why. We'd gone, we were up staying with her. We'd gone to a stately home. So it was my mum, my dad, Helen, me and Nana. And this particular stately home had something called a ha-ha surrounding it. And if you don't know what a ha-ha is, I mean, what a great name. Um, but a ha-ha is a sunken fence. So basically, instead of having a, a wooden fence, it's where you deliberately sink part of the ground. So it's not quite a ditch, but it's kind of like it's where the ground drops to stop, you know, animals and horses and stuff, obviously being able to, to get out of get out of fields and, and get into the into the gardens. So Nana had been telling us, because I think she'd been there before, me telling us in the car all the way now, you have to be very careful of ha-has, because they're very easy to fall down. They're not marked. Very careful of ha-has. Don't fall down the ha-ha. And we were listening. No, Nana, we won't, we won't fall down. We won't fall down the ha-ha. Go out the car, walking along. Now, whatever you do, girls, don't fall down a ha-ha. And with absolute spot-on comedy timing, she dropped and fell down a ha-ha. And that name is given to ha-has for a reason, because I thought I was going to die of laughter. Honestly, it was absolutely... <laughs> fucking gold she just lay there 
down the ha-ha, don't fall down the ha-ha. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so that was, my dad told that story at, at the funeral and that's definitely one of my, one of my favourite Nana memories. And I guess, you know, I, I don't really believe in, in having regrets because I think, you know, we, we, well, everything that happens in life is there for a reason. But I suppose the one regret perhaps I would have is that with being so far away from Nana, you know, I, I think she and I would have just been, been best friends if we'd been, if we'd seen each other more often. And you try and you try and build that relationship through through phone calls. Of course you do, and you know, so we used to try and give her a ring every week or every other week. And one of the things that I'm so feel so fortunate about is actually that the kids are old enough to be able to actively remember her. You know, they went up to her 80th. They used to call her and speak to her all the time on the phone. I will never forget Beth phoning her at the start of lockdown and saying, you know, you know, obviously Nana was living on her own, saying, how are you doing, Nana? How are you doing, Nana? How are you finding lockdown? And I think Nana was probably saying, oh, you know, she was missing the activities. And Beth was saying to her, well, you know, Nana, if you if you feel sad, you can always, you know, you can always perhaps find, find some of your favourite things to do. Or if you want to, you can always phone me and we can always have a chat. And I was just like, oh, my God, my heart. I mean, yeah, Beth and Beth and Nana on the phone to one another was was a meeting of meeting of mad mad minds it really was it really was excellent and then the last couple of years of, of her life my my dad's brother moved in with her and so actually what that meant is that although it was covid for the last couple of years we actually got to see her physically because he would he obviously brought in like the internet which is definitely not something that nana ever properly got her head around but we used to do like family zoom calls and you know she she was really struggling by then but she she'd still suddenly like suddenly just suddenly come in with a laser focus like <laughs> all chatting one day there were about 12 of us on this call and um my sister Helen was on the call and, and Nana was sort of dozing in and out of sleep and not really joining the conversation suddenly she snapped to attention and went to poor Helen Helen what have you done to your hair and Helen was like oh, I don't think I've done anything Nana was like well what have you done I don't like it I don't like it which you know obviously is the dementia talking there but also you know Nana was never backwards and coming forward and <laughs> saying exactly what she what she thought actually I've also remembered another brilliant story was I don't know if you've ever played the game Balderdash, which is a if you haven't it's a brilliant board game but effectively the premise is that you you get like a definition or the title of a film and you have to write down what the plot of that film is or what that word means and then they get mixed up and then you have to try and guess the the correct one and years ago my dad bought bought nana down to stay with us and so we were playing this game of Balderdash, and nana just could not get her head around it she just kept on guessing her own answers and we're like haven't you written that and she's like Oh, I thought it seemed familiar. And this was pre-dementia, let's be really clear. I mean, she was just, oh, she was just, she was just the best. And and one of the weirdest things actually that I found with, with someone dying that you that you know and love very well with dementia is you kind of don't get to say goodbye to that person because even if you knew they were about to die, and, and we didn't really, I mean, we knew Nana was not going to go on forever, but we didn't really, even if you knew they were about to die, you couldn't go and say goodbye to that person that you knew because that person isn't really there anymore. They've been replaced by, as I say, this kind of like sort of shadow of, of the person that they were. And so one of the things that I guess I, I genuinely say is, as a wholehearted recommendation to anybody who's going through similar, because it's just awful, is I went to, on the morning of the funeral, I actually went to the funeral home and they were like funeral directors. Anybody who's a funeral director, can I just say, you are amazing, amazing people. And particularly the funeral directors who, who looked after Nana, they were just amazing. And I went to the, to the funeral directors on the morning of the funeral and I just said, can I just go and sit just with the coffin and just, you know, kind of just go and sit with Nana? And I said, of course, no problem at all. And I went in and was able to properly say goodbye to her because funerals are, funerals are important and I think they're an important part of the grieving process. But 
I don't think they give you much of a chance to kind of say those those private goodbyes. So I could go in and, and you know, and obviously loads of tears and everything and just going, fucking hell, this is awful. And then talking about some of the nice memories that we had. And then, you know, child of technology. Then I Googled to tell her things that had also happened on the date that she died because, you know, it's a memorable date. But joking aside, it was it was so lovely. And I actually feel I got that real sense of closure by being able to, to go and do that. And like I say, I remember all the good times complain about how utterly fucking death shit death is because it really fucking is and yeah so i i would say if you are in a position whether it's dementia or anything else and you've not had a chance to say goodbye to someone who you love who's died go and do that you know and the coffin was closed you know you don't have to go and sit sit with the person if, if that's something you're not comfortable with but just going and sitting there by myself feel like i said a said a proper proper goodbye and as i said that the funeral was funeral was amazing i i think she'd have been I think she'd have been so proud. I think she'd have fucking loved it. I often think that was a good funeral. I think, oh, oh, person whose funeral it is would have absolutely loved that. And I, and I really think, really think that, that that she would have loved it. And and it inspired my my post for anybody who's read the, the Pooh and Piglet post that I put up yesterday. Um, it inspired that as well, because I just think that the, the biggest thing that definitely has hit me since she's died is obviously death is shit, clearly. And losing somebody you love is awful. But it's only because the time you had with them was so wonderful that you feel it so acutely. And actually, even knowing now how how awful it is losing someone that you love, you you wouldn't change those years that you had with them for for, for anything, you know, because they were wonderful. And, And she genuinely was absolutely fucking wonderful. And completely bonkers, completely bonkers. Nothing to do with the dementia. Completely bonkers. There's a strong streak of madness runs right through this family, and um, I am so so proud to to have her as as my nana. She was she was a one of a kind. She really was. So I'm going to go and spend my Saturday night sitting with my foot in a bucket of water. Um, I don't know how you're spending your your jubilee weekend, but I should be spending it with my foot in a bucket of water celebrating my 380,000 Subway Surfer High School. Just thought I'd put that one back in there again. And yeah, just um, yeah, just sitting and wondering why, how how have I burnt the bottom of my foot with chocolate? Why has this shit happened to me? Honestly, I feel like Nana would be totally understanding and, and very proud of my sheer, utter, abject incompetence. Anyway, whatever you're doing, lovelies, if you're working this weekend, thank you so much for keeping all our essential services running. If you are having out having parties, I hope you're having a lovely time. If you're having a barbecue, be fucking careful. They're dangerous. Look after yourselves, and I will see you next week. Lots of love. Bye-bye.